for our acts The sea can be deep for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Welcome to Trudging Together, a raw recovery podcast. My name is Sierra, and I'll be your host today. We're here with Zach, and we have known each other through Facebook. I was really, you know, connected to all of his videos about God and how you know, inspiring and supportive he is to everybody in recovery. And he just throws a real good vibe into the world. And I love it. So he is going to be the star of the show today. And we're going to listen to all the awesome stuff he has to say. Okay, okay, okay. What's up, everybody? Uh, Yeah, like she said, my name is Zach. So I'm just going to tell you all a little bit of my story. My experience, my strength, my hope. I guess I'll start from the beginning, uh, where I'm from. So I was born in Gallatin, Tennessee. I know y'all are based out of Colorado, so way far away. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I was born in Gallatin, and um, but I moved to a place called Dixon, Tennessee when I was like three, okay? So I rep Dixon, 615 till I die, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I grew up here, and um, – you know, being in recovery for a while, you know, um, I always felt kind of guilty in early recovery because a lot of stories start out with some like trauma, some like bad stuff that these that uh, young kids have to go through some molestation, rape, you know, child abuse, um, parents leaving them in places. And and I always felt like a, a huge weight on me because that was not the story with me. Like I had like a hallmark movie swag when it comes to when it comes to growing up like i had um mom and dad in the home married uh white picket fence type life you know i had everything i was good at baseball good at football basketball sister we got along um dog in the backyard uh right down the hill from me my aunt lived and then my grandma lived right in front of us and we all owned all the land on our street so it was like, you know, you go to your grandma's house after after school and there's like a peanut butter jelly sandwich, glass of milk. And um, it was just like a really beautiful childhood. But um, a lot of the times I can remember when I think back of like being outside looking in, you know, it was like um, I was watching my family live this good life, but I couldn't be a part of it. You know, that restless, irritable discontent that they talk about, bro, that was me to the max. Like, it, it didn't matter what was going on. I always was, like, worried about what my parents thought of me or, or why, you know, I, I, I had all the friends in school. Everybody wanted to be my friend, but I could be in a room full of a thousand people in front of a thousand people and feel like I'm the only one there. And I can just yeah. remember feeling like that from, like, the youngest of age, like specifically, I can remember 
being so unhappy and so depressed at a young age that I was like, if I can just make it to Christmas, if I can just make it to Christmas and I'll get that new Madden game, then all my friends will come over and like everything will be okay. Like if I could just make it to get that Madden game. I remember Christmas coming around, got the Madden game, bro. Woke up and I was high Madden game. I put it in, I played it for like 10 minutes and then it was right back to that wrestle to one discontent, like right back, like this ain't enough, you know, like my player ain't good enough or, you know, this is this, this is that. And it was just a continuous cycle of that. But, you know what I'm saying? I just thought that was just being a kid. And then when I was about, uh, I think I was 11 years old, my parents, they got a divorce. Okay. And right before they split up, right before they split up, um, I had got caught sneaking out of the house. So because of the circumstances and how everything happened, the timing, I thought it was my fault. So now I'm not only feeling like I'm looking into my life and everybody's happy, but now I feel like not only am I unhappy, I feel like I'm messing up everything around me. Like everything I started to touch was just garbage. And that was, and, um, so, uh, my mom, she, she worked at Old Harding Pediatrics. That's a, um, it's like a, a children's hospital here in Bellevue. And, um, she made like a career change. Like, uh, when she, uh, when, when they got a divorce, she went from working there to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy a bar and I'm just going to work at this bar. And, uh, so now here I am with all this, all these feelings that I don't know how to deal with, but I'm getting off the school bus at the bar. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. And, and now I'm not only like, I'm not only like, uh, the cool kid and everything. And I don't feel good inside, but also now all my friends want to be with me because I'm getting off the school bus at the bar. Now I'm the party kid at like 12, 13 years old. So one of my friends one day was like, Hey bro, you want to get drunk? And I was like, I was like, well, I ain't never been drunk before. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And I must've opened up no lie. I must've opened up 20 to 30 beers trying to get drunk. I just couldn't get one down. I hated the taste of it and everything. But I tell you what, I could drink them Zimas though. Y'all remember them Zimas? <laughs> I, I could knock those back. So, so I started drinking. Uh, I found them Zimas. I drank like six of them. And the next thing I know, I can remember it just like it was yesterday. I can almost taste the Zima just, just thinking about it. I can taste the feeling that it gave me that feeling that I talked about earlier, that restless, irritable, discontent, that why is this girl thinking this about me? Why is so-and-so think about me? Why don't they want to be my friends? Went away. It just all went away. And, um, you know, some people say you're born an addict. Some people say you become addicted. You, you develop alcoholism. And, and me, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on it, but I do know this. From that moment on is when I believe I'll become I become an addict because I made a decision right then and there. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to feel this way for the rest of my life. And, and I did, you know, um, I started drinking every day at that bar. I got to where I could drink beer. And, um, and then when you're hanging out with the kids that want to drink the beer, then you're getting introduced to the marijuana. Okay. And, and, uh, I've heard addicts say this, you know, I, I hit this stage where I say, I'll never do this or I'll never shoot dope or I'll never do this. That was not the case with me. 
That was not same. the same. <laughs> like, I was the same way. <laughs> as soon as I, uh, as soon as I got drunk, I was like, where's the crack at? You know what I mean? Like, where's the man? <laughs> so, so wanted I, to experience it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If this makes me feel this way, let's see what this does. And let's also see what this combined with this does. And, you know, let's just tear some stuff up. So, uh, yeah, I started drinking. I started, and then it just escalated very quickly because I was open to anything that would make me feel other than the way I felt. So went from marijuana to, to cocaine. And, um, I mean, I, I went through like some weird phases. I went through like a huffing air duster phase. I went to through the triple C core sitting cold and cold. and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like everything. Yeah. Taking the 24 pack of Benadryl and walking around like a robot. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I, um, you know, it just continued to escalate, just continued to escalate. And then I started getting into harder drugs like acid, mushrooms. And I really thought I found it there, honestly. <laughs> I really thought I found it there for a good little year. But, um, yeah, just continue to um, excel in my drug use. And it, and uh, then I, I got on Percocets when I was like 15. And because uh, my mom, she was prescribed them and I found them in her. I, I was the kid that would go in my mom's cabinet. And if it said, uh, don't drink with grape juice, oh, bro, where the grape juice at? You know what I mean? Like, I, I need some grape juice to mix with this. Yeah. I want the full effect of everything. Don't drink alcohol with this. Oh, give me a Zima, you know? <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, um, so I got on Percocets really bad. And, um, you know, um, what, what's going to happen if you're in school and you start doing drugs? you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> you're going to get in trouble. So that's when I just started um, catching underage consumption charges and truancy charges. I didn't want to go to school. And, 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 you know, like I said, in the beginning, I was an athlete, you know, I was a, I was an athlete. And so all that went away. I'm just basically um, going to school and then I'd, I'd get out of school if I even went and I'd go straight to the skate shop. Okay, I go straight to the skate shop and I'll just be skateboarding with my bros and doing cocaine and Adderall. And, and um, you know, uh, somehow I graduated high school. <laughs> somehow, I, I don't know why, but I guess Dixon's where the winners are made. And I, I, I graduated high school. And, um, yeah, and then when I graduated high school, I realized this, the cocaine – and uh, all these drugs that I'm trying, I feel like addicts do this. Did y'all ever, um, Sierra, did you ever settle into like your own personal cocktail that was just you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it like totally put me on the level I wanted to be on. Exactly. Well, well when, when I graduated high school, my cocktail, I needed a, a Xanax bar, some cocaine and some vodka. And, and if I could just have that, and everybody would leave me alone, then the world would be a better place. But mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. So, um, but I did find out a way to keep anything I wanted. I just, uh, I began to start selling drugs. And, um, you know, um, you ever heard of Monkey Can't Sell Bananas? I know y'all probably yeah. heard that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's basically what happened with me. I, uh, I thought I was going to be this dope boy and this drug boy and just live the lavish lifestyle that, the media portrays, but didn't happen for me because mm -hmm. 
Oh no. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I uh, well, basically, what I'm getting to is uh, I started catching charges. Started catching charges at a young age, and the charges got worse and worse and worse. But when I got my first like charge where um, I bonded out and knew I was going to jail when I went to court, I had the brightest idea ever. I was like, uh, let, let me just stop right here. For you and anybody listening, if you ever have a bright idea, make sure to run it by somebody. Just, just yes. take a second. <laughs> just take a second. Take one second, and if you got that bright idea, just run it by somebody. Just one or two people. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I had this bright idea to where, um, you know what, I got, I got these charges here in, in Tennessee. I'm just going to go live off the land in California. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was my, that was my bright idea. So uh, at the time, I was driving like a $30,000 sports car and uh, just really thinking I was, I was the man, you know, but I'm going to leave all this and go live off the land in California. So I, uh, I did that. I cashed out what little money I had left, and I, I took a bus with a backpack and a tent, <laughs> and I went to California, and um, I met some friends out there that I knew were out there traveling around. And, um, yeah, that just wasn't the brightest idea I've ever had. <laughs> Coming from a guy that's never grew a string bean in his life has this idea where I'm about to go live off the land in Cali. And be a farmer and just totally be off grid. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going off the grid, eco-friendly, whatever. It didn't happen. Basically, where it led me was uh, homeless in Oakland, California. But, um. You know, I went out there with a cocaine habit, and I was also trying to run from that. It just wasn't fun no more. You know, I mean, it was fun, but I could see where it was going, you know. So I was like, man, I'm going to get away from the cocaine. I'm going to get away from the charges. You know, I'm still going to drink and smoke and some acid every now and then. But, uh, yeah, so I went out there, and and when I come back, I had a heroin habit. And that's when stuff just uh, really, really went dark for me. And, um. But the cool thing about it was uh, when I got back to Tennessee, for one, there was no heroin here that I could find. Uh, I just wasn't that plugged in around here. But, um, you know, them charges I talked about, they were here. They were still there. You know, just <laughs> had this okay. idea that if I would just go away for long enough, that they would just fall away or they would just forget me. Well, they didn't. And as soon as I got back to Tennessee, they picked me up. And I went to jail for my first time. And, um, well, first time, like, going into the pod and, and I'm not going home type jail. Getting booked in and, yeah, yeah, staying. Exactly, like no bond and stuff. So, well, really, I had a bond, but my parents were done done with me by then. And uh, they, they weren't coming to get me. So, I really had to sit there. And the judge gave me 90 days. Gave me 90 days. And I was like, man, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> you had to detox in there and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. And um, so I did the little 90 days. And, and that really shifted me, honestly, because once I went to jail and I, I really had this mindset then of this is the worst you can do to me. You know, like this, this is it. All right, well, come on with it. So it really didn't change me. It just kind of made me harder and, and uh you know, um, less cautious, I guess you would say. So, um, man, really, I just, 
I stayed in this cycle for years. You know what I'm saying? I, I got caught in that cycle of um, going to jail, doing about a year, and um, and then getting out and trying to go back home. But then I would get caught stealing or manipulating or lying. And, and out on the street, I am again. Definitely couldn't hold a job. Um, nobody could trust me. Friends would come and go. You know, you know those fairweather friends that if you uh whatever you got in your pocket or they got some in their pocket, then we could kick, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's the kind of friends that I kept around me. And, uh, so I was just pretty much in this same cycle for the next five to 10 years. But the only thing that would change was my drugs. The detoxes would get longer. The charges would get bigger. The, um, the car crashes would get worse and the hospital hospitalizations would get worse. And, um, that same restless, irritable, and discontent that I talked about back when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, it would get harder and harder and harder to push away. It would get harder to mask that. So now I have a full-blown heroin addict, done, uh, started injecting IV, and uh, moved into meth, and uh, that was my cocktail then. And, um, yeah, I just continued to uh, live in that cycle. And, um um, mixed in with some, um, some overdoses, you know, those started happening. And, um, you know, the, the, the first time I overdosed, I, uh, I really didn't, I didn't believe them. I, I was at a, I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings and I went outside and got high. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm waking up in ICU like a day later and with a tool, a tube being pulled out of my throat. And, uh, I thought I had a car wreck and, and then I got caught getting high inside the hospital bathroom and it was just a, a whole vibe. But anyways, uh, yeah, stayed in that cycle for a long time. Um, and really, um, my life really began to change and really began to shift to where I, w- I wanted something different after my first treatment center because, um, the probation officers, um, I guess they showed a little grace on me. You know, they got tired of seeing me. I'm, I'm, I'm known by the police. I'm known by the judges, my name and my face. They just know what I'm about. So I go in front of the judge and uh, he offers me treatment. And I never knew anything about AA and ACR, any of that stuff. But, um, you know, he said, I'm, I'm a quarter of you to treatment. And uh, so I almost didn't even go. But he said 30 days in treatment or a year in jail. So I was like, uh, you know, I weigh my little options about two seconds. And uh, I said, I'll take 30 days in treatment, you know. So then I get there. I'm not knowing what to expect. But um, honestly, my, my thought was they were going to teach me to use drugs successfully. You know, like I had my formula wrong. You know, I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't take the Xanax with the heroin and I won't overdose. Or I shouldn't drink and before I do cocaine. You know, my formula is just messed up. I just don't know how to moderate my drug use. So when I get there and they're talking this full abstinence thing, I was like, I don't know about this, but I'll stay because it's co-ed and I can talk to some of these females, you know, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I stayed there. And um, by the end of the 30 days, I honestly, I, I started listening and um, I got to where I was feeling better. You know, they detoxed me and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about myself. Worked a couple steps and uh, I got a, a small taste of recovery enough to where I wanted to stay clean. 
So when I get out, every intention of staying clean got high that day. The mm. very that I that I got out, I got high that day. And um, I've been there. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So uh, I got high that day, and um, I could sit here and blame it on like, oh, I went back to the same girl I was with, but really, you know, I just wasn't done. I wasn't done. Maybe I was done. I just didn't put the work in. And uh, I'll get into more of the work later. <laughs> but uh, so go back into the cycle. You know, I could I could just I could tell you exactly what just happened five, ten minutes ago, what I just told you. And it's the exact same. I went right back to the same people, same places, same things, expecting different results, the same insanity, the same restlessness, the same irritability, the same discontent, the same dope sickness every single day. So. Um, uh, wound up doing that sentence, <laughs> wound up getting back out and, uh, getting some more charges. And, um, then, uh, basically throughout this next, uh, few years, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and lead up until when I finally got clean. But before that, I, I've been to seven treatment centers <laughs> and that first one, uh, gave me a little taste. The next one gave me a, a, a little more taste and I'd want it and I'd want it and I'd want it. But just let me say this right here. I don't want to get in the way. This program is not for somebody that wants it or somebody that needs it. It's for the people that are going to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're gonna do the work. It's going to work in spite of you. But anyways, so I wanted it and I wanted it. I wanted it. And I, I could not figure out why I could not stay clean, you know? And, um, so I get uh, the girl that I'm, I'm with. Uh, we've been together 11 years. She gets pregnant. And at the time, I'm still running hard. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on the run from, for some felonies while I'm on felony probation. And I'm basically on my way to prison. And I know I'm going to prison when they catch me. So I'm just running hard. And she gets pregnant. And um, I didn't really talk too much about this at the beginning, but I've never had the best relationship with my father. I just haven't, you know, I, I've, I've, and I've seen it come out. My character defects of like seeking approval from male, uh, menly figures. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but like my mentor, my sponsors, like I want them to love me. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to do the best for them, but it's also um, helped my relationship with God a lot too. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I, uh, that's a whole vibe anyways. Uh, so where was I at? Oh yeah. Got Lainey pregnant. Well, she gets pregnant and I'm on the run I'm headed to prison. And, um, I decide to, uh, to, um, go to court this time. I made a decision. I was like, you know what, if they're going to send me to prison or whatever they're going to do with me, I want to get it over with before my child is here because I didn't have the relationship with my father, I'm going to be a father, number one. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be there for him no matter what I have to do. I want anything to stay clean now for him. Yeah. And um, so I go to court this time, and I, uh, I go to jail. I get caught with some drugs in jail, and I'm in a solitary cell now. Like that, That's usually where I do a lot of my time because I'm, I'm a fighter. I'm a smart mouth, and uh, it's just who I've always been. I don't know why. I don't know when to shut up. So I'm, I'm in solitary confinement for like the hundredth time and uh, I'm in my own little cell. And there's this man that comes in and starts talking about CR. Y'all know Celebrate Recovery? 
And, um, mm. and he talks to me about the love of God and it's just something I've never heard or saw, um, displayed. You know, I hear people talk about church and I knew about church growing up. My family went to church when I was little and, you know, but he just come in and, and I'm like, well, how much are they paying you? You know, I want to know what the VIG here, bro. Like, what are they giving you to come in and talk to me like this? And uh, he's like, man, I'm nothing, bro. You know, I just, I just, I've been where you've been. And um, I know what God's done for me. And I'm like, damn, bro. You know, so this man would come in each week and talk to me about recovery and, and teach me about the Bible. And, and um, you know, I, that was when I, I, uh, accepted Christ as my savior. Okay. And, uh, that's just my own thing. It's my own faith. So, uh, but check this out when I got out, I would love to sit here and tell you that, man, you know what? I started going to church when I got out and, you know, everything's been great since, but that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? I got out and I went straight back to the needle, straight back to the needle, you know? And, um, I can't tell you why, you know, can't tell you why, but, I'll tell you this. I know God has had his hand on me ever since that, that conversation started with that guy in that relationship. I started with God in that solitary cell because check this out. I kept running hard. I kept running hard, even though I didn't change anything. I kept running hard. And um, because of the, the decisions that I was making, I chose to continue to sell drugs, continue to do drugs. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm selfish to my core. Like, I'm just a selfish being. I'm looking out for Zach, number one. So because I'm so selfish, I can't be man enough to tell her she can't do drugs because then I can't do drugs. And it's like a whole toxic relationship vibe going on there. So because of that, my son was born addicted to fentanyl and heroin. Sorry, I get a little emotional. Um, it's okay. Don't worry. It's crazy, yo. I told this story so many times and it never gets easier, you know, but but I'm willing to talk about it, you know, because this is real life. It's just real. It's real emotion and it's real life. And it's absolutely um, it's a real reality, you know, yeah, that's the reality of where drugs will take you. But anyways, <laughs> so I had to sit and um. I lose custody immediately. They take him from us. And I had to sit in the NICU and watch my son shake for a month straight and fight for his life. You know, and I love to sit here and tell you that that's what changed me. Watching my kids shake and, you know, I never touched the needle again, but that's not the truth. You know, to bury those feelings, I just went even harder and harder and harder. Yeah, I just went even harder. So I was lucky enough that the the custody, the custody of um of of Lincoln, that's his name, Lincoln. The custody of Lincoln went to her mother, his mother's mother, and um, you know, she was nice enough to let me stay there, knowing the life I lived. You know, knowing the life I lived, I said I just want to be close to my son. You know. And uh, so she, she let me stay there. And, you know, I, can, I, can, I tell this, this every time I tell my story because this is really when things shifted for me into a whole nother state. It's, um, it's like two or three in the morning and, you know, Lincoln's waking up and he's crying. You know, he's, he's hungry. He's like any two-month-old baby. 
he wants to be fed and I want to feed him, but I can't stop shaking enough because I'm sick. I just woke up. I can't stop shaking enough to get the formula to hit the, the bottle top. And, um, so I'm like, man, I got to get high before I can feed my son. So I go in his room while he's crying and I'm mixing up a shot of heroin and, um, I cannot find a vein for nothing, for nothing. I'm, my neck's bleeding, my arms are bleeding. I'm bleeding like a stuck pig. And, and, and I caught a glimpse of myself in his mirror. I caught a glimpse of myself and I seen myself. I was like, I just look like death. But, but when, when you're in that type of addiction, y'all might can relate. You don't look at yourself in the mirror. You brush your teeth looking at the floor. You, you yeah. brush your teeth in the shower. You shave in the shower because you don't want to look at yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like I can look back on my Facebook. I never took no pictures because I didn't want to look at myself. I didn't want you looking at me. I didn't want to look at myself, but I caught a glimpse of myself in that mirror. And I was like, I did what anybody believer or not is going to do in times like that. I cried out to God. doesn't matter who you are. And when you're in a place like that, you're going to cry out to your creator. I say, yeah. God, I was like, God, please help this boy. You know, my mom was already so twisted up that that I never seen me any better than dying with a needle in my arm. I've tried it, seven treatment centers, countless detoxes. I was like, man, I know this is it for me. This is the best I'm ever going to get. So, so God, please help this boy put a man in his life. He needs a dad, and I can't be that for him. I can't be that for him. And um, I know he heard my prayer. I know he heard my prayer because within a week, I was caught doing everything that I was doing in my addiction lifestyle. And I was sitting in front of uh, my parole officer and she said, you're going to prison to do the rest of your time, or you're going to a year long treatment center. Even though I wanted to change, I still didn't want to go back to treatment. <laughs> I was tired of treatment, but I said the old uh, scale again, you know, four years or one year and, and a chance at life. So I took that chance at life and, um, you know, they didn't do medical detox. I think that was huge for me. I don't promote not doing a medical detox, but for a guy like me, I'm hard headed. I learned through pain. I learned through pain. And that, that detox was one of the worst I ever went through. It was cold Turkey, nothing but yeah. Gatorade and, um, a bed and not even long, you know, it was a working program where you have to, um, you have to pay for your program by working to go through it. So after three days in the bed, the director come in and was like, Zach, you got to get up, man. You got to take a shower and you got to try to eat something. And he's like, regardless, or if, if you, uh, if you get up or, or if you're going to take a, or, uh, if you're going to eat, you got to take a shower because everybody says you stink. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, all right, man. So I get up and I go in the shower and I'm, I'm just puking on myself. Stuff's coming out all ends. Y'all know how detox is. And, and I, I say, God, I hope you're real. I hope you're real because I need a change and I need it now. I need it now. And in that treatment center I went to, they make you do morning devotions, okay? They make you do morning devotions. So you have to read like a book of the Bible with um, a psalm and a proverb okay so i go in there and uh morning devotions i haven't slept all night and i got pride issues like even though i can be screaming on the inside 
I can smile and act like everything's cool in your face. That's just, that's just how I've always been. Cause I don't want you to know how I feel inside. So I'm going in that treatment center and I'm acting like everything's cool. No, I didn't just, uh, watch my kid be born addicted. No, I didn't just cry out to God. No, I didn't just go through all this. I'm good. I'm, I just had a bad weekend. So they sent me to, to this treatment center is, is the story I tell, but, um, I'm dying inside. So I go to the, um, I go to the Bible study and, and the book is Nehemiah. And I was like, man, I can't even pronounce that one, bro. I'm going to skip that one. So I just skipped Nehemiah and, and I went to Psalm and it was chapter 34 and I got down to verse 18 and, and man, it just hit me in my spirit, bro. It hit me in my spirit. I get goosebumps every time I think about it because I know where I was at there and I know how God spoke to me. So Psalm 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I knew it, it just, it hit me in a way that nothing's ever hit me because from what I'm portraying is, is I'm okay. But on the inside, my spirits are crushed. Okay. But it let me know that God was with me. He knew how I felt. And, um, it, it, it intrigued me of, of the timing. It intrigued me and it, it sparked something in me. So I, um, I began to dive in, you know what I'm saying? I just kind of wanted more. And um, I said, I got to be here a year. So I'm going to give it everything I got. And um, I did. I become community leader. And um, that's basically they have three of them over the whole place. And you kind of run the place and you have guys under you and you make sure everything works right. So the guys up don't really have to do their job. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, um, and uh, just got really involved in, in uh, the recovery community and really involved in my church. And, um, you know, uh, hold on a second. One yeah, no. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, anyways, I, th I thought my, my laptop was unplugged, but, um, anyways, where was I? At? Oh yeah. Bang. Life changing. So I, I, uh, just started giving everything I got, you know, uh, I was like, I gotta be here 365 days. I'm gonna give it everything I got for that boy at home that I want custody of. And, um, I did, you know, I didn't want it for myself at the time. And it, it was a long time before I really began to love myself enough to want something better for myself. And, um, but it just, it started with, um, you know, to get self-esteem, you got to do esteemable things, you know? So I just began to like, when I'm feeling crappy or whatever, I just started helping others. And I began to like, realize that that would affect the way that I, I cared about myself, you know? So like, uh, that's why I, I, I preached to my sponsees service, 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 bro. Like get in there and just help somebody pick some trash up. It doesn't matter. But anyways, um, it makes you feel so much better. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it, I don't know what it, it's, a, it's some kind of weird principle, I guess, you know, helping others helps you, but, and it's almost yeah. like a paradox of selfishness because <laughs> you're doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for others. It makes no sense. But anyways, it works. So yeah. uh, I made it through that uh, program and, you know, um, I almost slipped up when I left because Coming out of that program, I was on such a spiritual high and, and like everything was great. You know, um, I was getting to see Lincoln and, uh, you know, everything had been going so good for so long. I had some money in my pocket. You know, I wasn't dope sick and uh, 
I really thought that if I could just make it a year, just get that one year medallion and everything would, would be okay. And I could like take a break from all this, you know, still go to church, but I don't want to hit no meetings. I don't want to sponsor no guys. I don't, you know, take a break. Well, I did that. Uh, when I graduated, I came home and, and, um, I, uh, I was like, I'm gonna take a break. You know, I've been doing this 365 days straight every day, hardcore recovery. Um, and I began to wake up mad uh-huh. because of one of two reasons. I would either wake up before my alarm went off or I w- would wake up after my alarm went off. And either way, it, it would just, I, I would be pissed off every morning. I'd be like, man, I could have got five more minutes of sleep or man, now I'm going to be five minutes late all day. And it, and I was like, man, but I had a year clean and I had just a little bit of awareness to me. That's one of the blessings of recovery is the awareness of, of when you need to do something different. I have that today. So I had a little bit of awareness and I was like, man, I need to get into a, you know, go to a meeting. And I hadn't got plugged into the, the Dixon recovery because I went to a treatment center like three counties over. And um, so I was plugged in out there and I didn't have a sponsor, but I, so I went to a meeting. I heard a guy share some fire and um, bang, bro. He, I, I was like, man, I need a sponsor. And he's like, cool. And I waited like another two weeks to call him, <laughs> but I wound up calling him and, and uh, he's still my sponsor to this day. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, everything was great until, you know, I, if we got some time, I'd like to go into a, like, you know, your story grows and this is a part I don't think I've ever told, but, it's really, uh, really touches home for me. And I've been uh, working with some guys that are going through the same thing. When I came home, uh, my, uh, my kid's mom, I hate saying baby mama, that's so thug. <laughs> my kid's mother, she, she was still using, you know, and um, we'd been together for 10 years at the time. And, uh, you know, so I loved her and I felt a lot of um, obligation to help her because I, I introduced her to drugs. I, you know, she was just a, a girl in high school, you know, a good girl in school when she met bad boy Zach. And uh, so, so I kind of, I kind of let her astray a little bit. So um, now I, I've got this clean life. I'm living good. You know, um, she, she's, she, she's really bad out there. She got a settlement from her dad passing away and, I couldn't imagine going through something like that in addiction and what it would do for me and getting that lump sum of money. But Oh yeah. That would be so dangerous. Exactly. So so um man, yeah, she was in full blown addiction when I when I came home and uh I dealt with that for a long time. I I, I don't I thought uh, that was so hard. Yeah, so it, it it but I'll tell you some positives from it. Um when I went to make my amends to my, to my family, it, it, it gave me a new light. It, it, it let me see things that I put them through. And I yeah. feel like that, that this is a spiritual program, you know, and I feel like God takes us through this stuff and, and teaches us how we teaches us as we live. He teaches us how to live as we live. You know, if that makes any sense, but, but for him, for him keeping me clean and allowing me to go through that struggle, it made my amends to my, my family so much sweeter because before that I had no idea of, of what I had, I had put them through, 
you know, I, I mean, I had an idea like, yeah, I took your money or yeah, I took your car. You know, you might've worried about me a little bit, but after I used to sit up and, um, you know, I, I had a routine, I would wake up in the morning I would have to go through my house like perimeter and, and get the needles and get the dope and, and get the spoons and get the cans and get it all because, um, you know, I, and I'm petty too, bro. I would take the the cap off the needle and break it and put it back on and just put it, and just put it back. So she would think it wasn't broke, but that's just how petty I am. Anyways, uh, it was just a really tough situation. And um, at the same time, when I was in treatment, she had got custody. Her mother didn't know this was going on. So she got custody of our son back. So now I'm come home. I don't have any rights so I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. If I leave, I'm leaving my son in this situation because right. I'm him with me. But yeah. if I know, but but if I stay, I'm risking my sobriety. So, um, I mean, I, I I dealt with it for so long, and and you know, fear started to creep in because I was like, my sponsor's like, you need to do this to get um your son, so you can have some some rights and uh, do all this stuff and. and be a protector of your son and the fear started to creep in and say, uh, well, when you go to the court, they're going to look at your record and they're going to look how she is and they're going to take you, take him from both of y'all and you'll never see your son again. So, um, I dealt with it for longer than, than anybody should, but with a good sponsor and I kept guys around me and, and, and God, I, I made it through it clean. And, um, eventually it came to a, a point to where I was like, um, you know, I, I, I found this out through the whole thing. Sometimes God will, um, let, hold on, let me just tell the story real quick. So, so I go, I, she leaves off for like two weeks. She leaves off for like two weeks and I, uh, so I have Lincoln, I don't have custody of him, but I have him. So she leaves off and I don't know where she's at. I think she went to treatment, but left. It was a weird story. But I, I let him go to her mom's for the weekend. And then she come when I went to pick him up, she's in the car and I I couldn't do anything about it. So I was um, I was about to drive off and something told me, no, you don't need to leave Lincoln there with them. So I, I turned around and, and just went and grabbed his car seat out of the car and left. And um, I went to talk to a lawyer and started the process of um, getting custody of my son. And, uh, you know, just um, because of the program today, I was able to go in the courthouse and get full custody of Lincoln, you know, a son that uh, I never even thought I would, I would be able to be a father, you know, I, I, exactly. Yeah. Praise God that that's, you know, to take a junkie like I was and then like able to walk in to a courtroom with a shirt tucked in and be like, look, I know my record. I know who I was and stand up there with boldness and be like, I know who I was, but I'm um, trying to be a father today, you know, and, and they saw that they, you know, they're not stupid. They saw what was going on and, and they, they gave me full custody. And, and the be most beautiful thing about that is that woke her up and um, she decided she was going to go to treatment. And uh, this week she celebrates 10 months. Yay! What a wonderful ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she celebrates 10 months and she works for the treatment center that she went through. And um, our family has been like completely restored. And God just kind of showed me um, 
like a little God wink through the whole thing was that sometimes God will um, frustrate your expectations of what you want him to do so that he can exceed them, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I just want her off drugs, but now she's just like shining in recovery. You know what I mean? Like, like shining, bro. Like I'm like, Lainey, explain this to me at, at times, but, um, yeah, I'll be celebrating three years this September and she just celebrate actually her year and my three year is the same week. So we'll get to celebrate together. And, um, yeah, just, we have full custody of our son. We have our own house now, two cars, and it's just a full life of recovery, but we have to do it every day because those treatment centers I've been to or she went to, and we thought treatment didn't work. No treatment does what it does. It, um, you're sober while you're at treatment. My aftercare program sucked. You know, I wasn't willing to, to keep continue to do what they taught me, but, um, yeah, that kind of leads up to my story today, you know, uh, uh, I guess that's really all I've got to say. And I hope that explains a little bit of where I'm at today and, and uh, gives you a good outlook of where God can take a needle breaking off in your arm junkie to like today I'm a father and I'm a leader. And, um, you know, I serve in ministry. I, I sponsor guys. I, um, you know, I, I have people that call me for advice today, you know, not only, not only that, but I'm happy to give it to them. And, um, it's just, a, I live a beautiful life today. Yeah. Thank y'all for so much for just letting me share. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for telling your story. You like your story is so inspiring and I'm so proud of you and your girlfriend. I mean, basically, I don't know, wife, whatever, but still I'm so proud of you guys. And you have your son like you your story is so real and raw and seriously just seeing where you are now, you are just helping so many people and it's wonderful. I appreciate that. I I really do. I appreciate the opportunity because, you know, uh, the cool thing about um, it being 2021 is that, um, you know, not everybody's going to go to a meeting. And not everybody's going to go to church, but I'll tell you what, everybody's online, you know, everybody's, everybody's on Facebook. And that's why if you ever see me on Facebook, I'm, I'm spitting recovery. I'm spitting things that, that positively impact my life because I want people to see it. And because people have to know that there's freedom because for years I just lived, I accepted that there was no other way other than this. And that's not the truth. You know, like I was the lowest of the low and today, like, I'm not no better than anybody, but I have found a better way to live. And so yeah. I appreciate that. And you're so just real about it, you know, for real. You, that's, I found you in a recovery group. Like you posted one of your videos and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is so awesome. Like I just wanted my life to be filled with your positivity. So I was like, I just need to add him and let everyone know <laughs> that he's just so positive you know like really you just you're awesome dude thank you for coming on to share that was awesome zach thank you for coming on and sharing your wonderful story and thank you everyone 
who listened and have a wonderful day. And we will talk to you in our next podcast.